I'm already conscious that um, yesterday, again, I shared with you about um, about being courageous and about living in courage. Um, I know even last year I talked around this issue of carrying hope and and being uh, and carrying courage. I feel like every time I think about you as a church community, and I do think about you beyond just being in this event, I think about John and Ruth and everything God is doing in amongst you. I. Uh, I'm filled with courage, and so I feel like that when I think about you, I want you to live in courage. I want there to be a strength that would come to your community in Sarah Code, which is why I talked about it last year, why I feel like I wanted to return to it again this year. Um, the Lord reminded me in worship of, of a very simple thing that um, Paul landed on, and I want to just remind you of it um, this morning before we uh, open up some scriptures together. But um, in Romans 8, right at the very end, Paul says this, he says, um, uh, no, in all these things, uh, we are more than conquerors. Why would you have a Bible with such tiny writing? <laughs> it's really tiny. It's Greek. Whatever. All right, verse 18. For I am convinced, other translations say, for I am persuaded, I am convinced through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from what? The love of God. I'm convinced. This is what Paul landed on. This was the revelation that he had. I am convinced. I'm persuaded. Listen, the thing that I felt like to share with you just as we come out of worship is this. For so many of us, we think that the normal Christian life is about me convincing myself that God loves me. Right? And that's a subtle difference between something that Paul discovered, which was ultimately, he was convinced. I'm persuaded. In other words, there's something outside of myself that is presencing himself with me and I'm becoming acutely aware, I'm becoming persuaded, I'm becoming convinced but this one significant fact that God loves me. Listen, and it's entirely God's job to convince you that he loves you. Now, that may sound a little bit derogatory, but think about it as a parent. When I think about my kids, I don't want them to have a thought in their mind that they have to convince themselves that I love them. That's my job, right? That's the job. This is yes, this is no. We worked on that last night. Just give that go, right? This is yes, this is no. All right, right? As a parent, think about if you've got kids, wouldn't that just be the most bizarre thought in your mind that in some way your kids have to convince themselves that, that you love them? Like that's back to front, right? So when we think about Father God, it's no different. The reality is that, that what Paul discovered is what he was convinced by, what he was persuaded of, was the radical love of the Father towards him. And this is something I just want to pray really quickly for you, that there would be this switch, there would be this um, light that would come on in your mind, there would be this revelation, simple as it is, that it's not your job to convince yourself that God loves you. Because you'll look at your circumstances, you'll look at how you feel, it'll be filtered through your own, uh, through your own process, and ultimately you'll come out the other side just wondering whether God does love you. And ultimately that's not the way around. God absolutely in the most ultimate way, demonstrated his love to you. That even though you were far away, he came running. Even though you were lost, even though you were dead in your sin, he sent his son Jesus. 
Listen, he's already demonstrated the incredible love that he has for you in the way that he demonstrated sacrificially that he gave of himself, Jesus. And listen, that never ended the story. He's a father who in relationship with you wants to tell you every day that he loves you. He wants to persuade you in all times and in all seasons, whatever it is that you're facing, he wants to persuade you that he loves you. This is what Paul discovered. So I, I'm really conscious that for many of us, we, we land in that cycle of, of thinking in some way we've got to drum ourselves up. We've got to whip ourselves up a little bit more to just figure out how do we, how do we convince ourselves that we are worthy of loving. Listen, this is just the wrong way around. So I, I want it just to be settled in our hearts this morning that there's a, an incredible father who loves you extravagantly. And he is committed wholeheartedly for eternity to persuading you, to telling you, to demonstrating to you that he loves you incredibly. And, uh, and maybe one of you needed to hear that this morning. So close your eyes on the break. Father, we thank you for your presence with us um, today. God, this is a new day. Your grace is new. You're alive in us and through us today. No matter what we're facing, no matter what's in the forefront of our mind, you are here, present with us. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you again to move in this place. It's not that you weren't here, but we do invite you to come and move in our lives in a tangible, real way. Father, over this thing in our minds, God, would we just settle it in our hearts? Um, God, that you love us. Father, would we be persuaded by the demonstration of who you are and all that you've done and all that you say about us, that we would know at the core of who we are, as your sons and daughters, that we're loved. There's nothing I can do to, to earn your love. It's given to me freely. This is grace. And this is your mercy. And in turn, Father, because we are so loved, we love you. First loved, so we love back. We respond to who you are with love and adoration. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So you forgive me for talking so much about courage. Is that all right? If I ever come speak to you again, I'll probably talk about it again because I feel like there's something amazing about this community that I am convinced has to walk in extravagant courage. Um, but anyway, we've um, kind of built this these couple of days we have together around living faith full. Again, reminding ourselves that the God has come. That He's come that we would have life and life in all its fullness. So what does that fullness look like? We looked at courage yesterday. I want to look today um, at the normal Christian life. I've been using this phrase where I've been, um, been sharing in various different parts of the world and really going after this thing of what does the normal Christian look, life look like? Let me tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like just regularly showing up to a building on a Sunday morning. Like, listen, I lead a church. I love the church. It is um, the, the very body of Christ. We are, we are community. We are family. We're all this stuff. It's amazing. But listen, the normal Christian life is not the two-hour window or however long it means are on a Sunday morning. Like, this is the icing on the cake. It's the celebration. It's our, it's our Christmas every week. that We get to come together as family. We get to celebrate. We get to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done. We get to be equipped phenomenally to go and live a radical, normal Christian life. This is what we do when we gather. But the normal Christian life is not a religious cycle of events or meetings. Um, and I'm a church leader, so I love meetings. I do killer meetings. Like, I really do. I know how to uh, create a good space. I know you guys do it very, very well as well. I like to create great environments for people to encounter God. Like, I love meetings. I'm wired that way. 
But if I think that the normal Christian life, if I think the pinnacle of Christian ministry happens in the context of a Sunday, I've missed out on the whole story of the kingdom, and I've missed out on the unique assignment of every believer as they are positioned and pointed towards the, the life that they're supposed to live. Because the, the Christian, the normal Christian life doesn't zero around church. Don't stop going to church. Like, church is amazing. It's your family. It's where you're going to get equipped. It's where you're going to get encouraged. It's where you're going to find community. It's a beautiful place. Build it, strengthen it, throw your lives at it. But listen, there's, there's more beyond the realms of what happens in your church building um, that God wants you to, to unveil and discover. And this is the, the normal Christian life. And one of the things that I'm, I'm really passionate about as I've, as I've looked at my own life and recognized there's loads of different seasons that I've gone through in my life is that actually um, that I want certain things to grow in the context of my life. I want the normal Christian life to show up consistently and sustainably, right? Consistently and sustainably. And in a second, we're going to look at a passage where Jesus gives a really beautiful picture. He creates a, a bit of a, uh, a picture for us to see and, and grab some things from to help us understand what does it look like to live the normal Christian life in a way that is lasting, sustainable, and that ultimately produces fruit. Mm. All right? So this is my headline. I think that every believer should produce fruit. I'm going to find it in, in the scripture we're going to read in a second. I believe our life is supposed to be fruitful. And um, there's much that God talks about in, in, in the assignment that he talks about on our lives to, to, to see nations transformed, to see people's lives impacted by the gospel, to see um, people come to know the love of God, to see uh, the poor um, uh, resource, to see the orphan uh, find a family, to find a widow cared for. There's so much stuff that we could do in our lives. But ultimately, I want to see all of that fruit of my life. I want to see it in every season of my life. And I want to see it sustained. I want to see it grow. I actually want to, I want to see it uh, grow with momentum. That simply just means that I start with something small and as I, I grow in it, I become stronger. I become more effective. I, uh, the, the size and impact of what I do would, would actually grow. Like I don't think that's a bad thing to consider. So one of the things I, again, have looked at in my own life is that often where, because there's seasons that we go through in life, um, seasons that are, you know, we, we talk about it in kind of church circles. It's like, oh, we I feel like that's a mountaintop season. Like we feel really close to God. Things are going well. And, and often like our mountaintop uh, seasons are, are more than... They're more defined by things going well for us than they are like our ability to deal with difficulties, right? Mm. And then we talk about like being in a valley. There's the reality of being in a valley season where things maybe seem hard, maybe God seems distant, or things that we hoped for don't seem like they're anywhere close. And, and I recognize that through different seasons in our life, um, we have to figure out what it is to show up consistently and produce fruit. Like it's not good enough to say, okay, when I get to the top of this mountain, when I feel like I'm doing good with God, when I feel like my relationships are, are, are healthy, when I feel like my bank balance is well and my job is secure, at that point, my, my normal Christian life can be healthy and fruitful. It's no, it's no good saying I'm going to wait till then because there is a reality to our lives is that there are times when we feel like we're in a valley, right? Yeah. But God's in the valley. Yeah. He's with us in that season. And I'm... Um, one of the things, a good friend of mine um, was really helpful on this. He said, look, no matter what season you're in, 
there is one thing that's consistent, and that is there is resurrection life flowing through your veins, whether you're in a mountaintop or whether you're in a valley. Like, this is what we have to remember. You know, seasons don't alter the presence of Christ in my life. He is in me, and He is a hope, right? So no matter what season I find myself in, there is a consistent, um, there is a consistent understanding that there is resurrection life flowing through me. It may not feel like there's resurrection circumstances, but there's resurrection life flowing through me. And this helps us because it helps us understand that there is a way for us to to sustain the normal Christian life. Again, I don't want to look back at my life and think. There were seasons when I was super passionate about Jesus and there were times when I just, I couldn't be bothered. And I want to look back and think, oh, do you know what? There were times when I was super engaged and super passionate about evangelism, seeing God and reach people with his amazing good news. I don't want there to be times when I think, oh yeah, I was really interested in prayer at that time. But yeah, I look at my prayer life now and it's kind of weak and I don't really pray. And like seasons shouldn't impact the momentum of what God wants to do, that there should be some things that we grow and we sustain in our life. This is the normal Christian life, all right? So that's kind of what I want to talk about with us today. What time are we going to? All right, that's great. Half past whatever. I think I'm really conscious of the season thing because... Um, I'm one of those guys that that does, like I really define the season I'm in, often by what I'm not doing now or I am doing now. Like I'm in a season right now when I'm going to the gym, so I'm telling everyone, like gyms, the gym, I do CrossFit, it's just like my second church, I tell my own church, it's like my second church, because I go there every week religiously, three times, 5.30 in the morning, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, so I'm religious about it, I go there every week, I meet a bunch of people who are super encouraging to me, and challenge me, and they strengthen me, literally. Uh, they they swear a lot, which is different to my church. But you know, still. Um, so I'm like, it's my second church. So I, I define this season, like I, this is a season in when I'm, I'm, I'm going to the gym. Like there was a season when I didn't go to the gym, but now I'm in a season where I'm going to the gym, and I'm working on getting healthy. It's good. You know, and I, I'm kind of like, I remember a season when I used to eat lots of carbs, no, I don't eat any carbs. I'm miserable, but I don't eat any carbs. Like, we could define these very different seasons. Are you, are you guys like that as well? It's like, oh, yeah, I, I, that season I did this, and now I don't do this. I used to do that. I was this. I used to work, but now I don't work. Like, often the seasons of life and, and moving through those seasons are often defined by the things that we do or that we don't. And, um, and I think in that, often we, we miss out on the fact that there, there is absolutely a constant thread of our, of our normal Christian life identity, of, of, of who we are as, as sons and daughters that is supposed to weave through every season of life. So I want to grapple with that in my own life to know, no, it's not good enough for me to think, oh, there was a season when I was super connected to who I am as a son of God and demonstrated that everywhere I went, and now I'm just not that bothered. So I don't want it to be like, oh, I went to the gym, I don't go to the gym, I went to the gym, I don't. It's not, it's not like I'm a Christian for a bit and then I'm not really for a little while. Like, I want to, the thread and the narrative of this faith journey I'm on with Jesus to be something that is absolutely foundational to who I am, and therefore how I show up on the face of the earth, right? Maybe it's just me, but that's me. <laughs> so that's why I found this passage really, really helpful. It'd be probably familiar to, to many of you, but um, if not, we're in John 15. 
you got any Bibles, again, vintage paper copies is fine, but um, if you've got an iPad or any sort of thing, just um, jump to John 15. I'm going to read verses 14 to 17 from um, the NIV. Here we go. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You do not choose me, but I choose you and appoint you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in, my, in the name of the Father, uh, in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So Jesus introduces this concept and um, this picture of a, of a plant. It's really helpful because um, I often find in the imagery that Jesus uses and the stories and the imagery that he uses, it's a really helpful way for me to, to dive into a bit of a picture and unpack that picture and figure out, like, what was Jesus really talking about? Is he talking about us becoming literal plants? No. Is he talking about that there is something from the nature of, of how a plant functions that we can learn from that actually will be part of helping us and strengthening us in our faith journey? Absolutely. So it's worth putting that lens of like, what's Jesus trying to say? There's so much in these verses that, that is so helpful for us in this, in this journey, in this growth journey, in this normal Christian life journey for us to, to, um, to pull out. Um, I want to make a very clear statement. I am in no way a garden uh, expert. I'm not a horticulturist, but I'm going to try and pull out um, some basic uh, plant-based understanding and try and, and if there's anybody who's like mad keen on plants and I, I'm not accurate, you can correct me afterwards, but I think I'm pretty clear on the basics of plants. Because um, I grew up in a house actually where my parents would literally kill anything. That, like People would give them gifts like a plant for a present, dead. My dad actually says, yeah, our house is more like a, it's kind of like a hospice for plants. They come with us for a little while before they go on to a better place. Like that's what my dad was really honest with. I actually am convinced that my parents actually killed an artificial plant once. <laughs> genuinely convinced that we were that terrible. So just that's, that's my disclaimer. I, I don't have a, a great track history with with plants, um, but you don't care, let's read the scripture. Um, there's, this, there's this really helpful picture, um, and in my very basic understanding of plants, uh, and diving into these verses and allowing them to reflect back onto me what Jesus is trying to help me understand, is that I believe that there are the three really simple things that we understand about plants. Uh, that help us understand that in the nature and the story of a plant, three important things need to happen. First of all, if you're writing anything down, this is the first point, plant something. Second thing is that you have to grow something. And the third thing is that you have to prune something. So very simply put, three very simple things that we can apply to our life as we reflect back on this, this growth story of a plant as it relates to my life and your life, is that we have to plant something, we have to grow something, and ultimately we also have to prune something. So first thing, planting something. Uh, again, not a great plant expert, but I, I, I think I'm right in saying that you don't grow a plant without planting a seed. I think I'm right. I think I'm right in saying that if you have an expectation that you want to grow a plant, 
the starting point for that is that you have to plant the seed. Is that correct? Yes. Yes? For the most part. Oh, no. Or a bulb. Yes, you have to plant something. All right. Or a bulb. You have to plant something. It starts with something new, right? Yeah. You have to place in the ground. Yeah. Um, and this starting something new, this planting a seed, is just a really important start of a long journey, right? The reality is when you plant a seed, what do you, what do you not get first? Fruit, right? Remember the context of these verses. Jesus says, I want, you to, I want you to produce fruit, the fruit of your life. I want, it to be, I want you to produce fruit, and I want it to be fruit that remains, fruit that lasts. In the context, the end goal, the, the part of the journey that we're excited about is I want to produce fruit. I want to produce fruit in my life, right? Yeah. But the reality is, is, that, is that when we, when we start something new, what, what doesn't grow first is fruit. What grows first is roots, right? Yeah. And so actually we have to pay attention to our root system. Like it's not very exciting. It might not look very extravagant, but actually the significance of our root system is what we have to pay attention to because it's directly related to our ability to produce fruit. Again, not a gardening expert, but I, I doubt very much that a plant with no root system will produce any kind of fruit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's a reality in this image, in this picture that Jesus is helping us understand, is that actually if, if the normal Christian life is to be sustained, then we have to pay attention to the root system. And listen, there's an, there's an internal root system in our lives that God is absolutely committed to dealing with, to helping, to nurturing, and to growing. I found out this really early on, that God is, in my own life, like God is full on not interested about growing my ministry. He's full on interested in growing me. Let me say that again to you, and I'll say it to you. Like God is not interested in growing your ministry. He's interested in growing you. Your ministry and everything that God has as an assignment on your life will grow because he's nurtured and because you've paid attention to you. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this whole thing of like, well, when I start something new, I have to pay attention to, like starting something new, planting a seed, there's going to be a root system. We'll come on to growing in a second. But I'm really aware that, um, that starting something new is often one of the greatest challenges in life, especially if you have a track history of doing something one way and then all of a sudden Jesus comes in and says, oh yeah, there's a different way that I want you to, to live. Maybe some of you experienced that when you met Jesus, that there was parts of your life that you left behind that were no longer like, yeah, that's not God's best for me and so I'm going to have to start doing things differently. There's a different way that Jesus wants me to live and so I want my life to reflect this normal Christian life this incredible new relationship that I got with Jesus, this new identity, this new nature, this new thing that got formed in me when I, when I came to know Jesus, I want that thing to look different than it was before. And newness is often a massively challenging thing to grapple with. I can say this now because I'm 39, nearly 40, but as I get older, new things get even more challenging. I feel like even just like technology, I would pride myself on like, 
on sort of my ability to grapple with technology. My kids are leagues ahead of me on that kind of stuff. I feel like my mum. I remember mocking my mum mercilessly. Like she couldn't quite figure out. Do you remember the days when in the Radio Times they put barcodes and then they in the remote they put a little scanner yeah, looking yeah, for the yeah. old people around yeah. here. They put this scanner. Like, I'm with you, it's alright. And, and they would like scan you'd be like if you wanted to record something, you'd scan it in the Radio Times. They don't still do that, do they? I've never seen a Radio Times in the last few years. I doubt very much like technology's moved on just like planet, right? But anyway, I, like new things are hard. I remember mocking my mum mercilessly because I'm just like, just she could never get it. I had to, I had to set up everything that she had to record on the on the video. Even that, like some of you are like video, what's that? <laughs> you know, Betamax, all that. <coughs> We've moved on, we're old. Um, but new things get like they're hard, especially when you've been so used to doing something. And I find that in my life, and and when I think about this normal Christian life, there's much newness that God wants to do in and through me and it means moving on from things that I used to do again I'm going to pick on my parents but and maybe some of you can identify with this but do you remember that day when I don't do you remember the day when all of a sudden um, you moved from one massive black bin that you threw everything in and all of a sudden you open your door and there's like five maybe a thousand different coloured bins in front of your house and you're like there's a brown one, a blue one, they're all tiny, and, and the black one, I don't know, do you have small black bins now? Mm -hmm. No. Like the big one's gone, they've got a little small one? No. No, you've got a massive... We have the black one. Right, in my council, which I'm not happy with, they've got these tiny little black bins that are the same size as the paper bin. Ridiculous, how is that, like, anybody supposed to... I, so, I wind my parents up for years, because, listen, people who love the planet, like, you you are closer to God, for a start. Absolutely. Like, you tree huggers, you were ahead of the curve, prophetically. You knew that God loved the planet, and, like, this whole, like, recycle, it's a good thing. So I'm, like, I'm not mocking recycling, I'm going to mock my parents. Because my parents, for literally years, couldn't get their head around where they were supposed to put the various different bits of rubbish. Couldn't get their head around, so I'd like go around their house and like I'd open up their kitchen bin. I'd be like, "There's a bunch of paper and plastic in here. You know you've got a recycling bin." And he's like, "Oh yeah, we're still sort of figuring it all out." I'm like, and then you go outside and you look at how pristine their coloured bins were. And you're like, "You're not trying to figure this out. You're still throwing everything in your black bin." In fact, I think my parents like burn their rubbish out the back of the house. They're just that convinced that if they kill the planet, Jesus will come back faster. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Some people think like that. Anyway, but you know what I mean? So how many of you struggled with that? It's like, all right, we went from one bin, now all of a sudden I've got to wrap my head around the fact that I've got to filter through all of my rubbish. I've got to like think about where it's got to go. It was like this new thing. Maybe it was just me. Maybe I'm just like, put you into my world. My greatest challenges was recycling. But anyway, it's like something that you, like for years I've just been not even thinking about what I do with my rubbish. I just chuck it in my black bin. Just didn't even think about it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, there's an arrested moment where the council all of a sudden they tell me I've got to think about something and do something different. I'm like, I've got to unlearn all this behavior, all this way that I've done something before and I've got to figure out this new way. I'm doing all right with it, guys, now. I'm pretty, um, pretty good at throwing the right rubbish in the right bin. Yeah? You guys on that same journey? Oh, right. Recycling here. I, in fact, when we moved into our church office, I found a a uh, a uh, refuse supplier because when you, 
like people that pick up your bins, um, whereby you can throw everything in one bin and they, they sort it at the uh, at the factory, uh, wherever they like probably burn it all. They probably, they probably, do you know what? They probably don't even recycle stuff. They just probably take it to a field and burn it. That's probably what. They, move on. Anyway, new stuff, planting stuff, it can be a challenge, it can be something that actually is new, it can be something that actually sees us unwind something that we've done before. So there's an acknowledgement in, in planting a seed, a seed that will remain, that will actually produce healthy fruit in our lives, the normal Christian life, that we have to consider at times and at seasons, no matter how young or old you are, that actually that we will continually discover new things about God and it will it will change the navigation and the orientation of how we do life. Right? Yeah. Listen, if the angels who are who are with God in heaven, if they are bowing before God in the throne room, and every time they look up, they see something new <coughs> about God, and it, it causes them to spontaneously worship, which is what is happening in um, if, if you know if it's good enough for the angels for eternity to be discovering something new about God and it causing them to worship, listen, could it be the case that actually in our earthly journey we're going to discover new things about yeah. God? And it's going to yeah. change the way we see Him, change the way we live our lives. Yeah. So we have to be ready um, as believers in the normal Christian life to find and discover those new things and be committed to be planting a seed, right? Which moves us on to the next thing, which is that. We have to learn how to grow something. So again, in my limited experience of plants, outside of planting a seed, I think that the next single most important aspect of growing fruit is the environment that a seed is planted in and a plant grows in. First thing that happens when you plant a seed is not fruit, it is roots. And what makes for healthy roots is the soil, the environment that those roots are planted in. Okay? So again, in this journey, we're thinking about the normal Christian life. We're thinking about it being sustained. We're thinking about fruit that will be produced in my life and fruit that remains. We have to pay attention to the, to the environment. Yeah. You know, and so um, being aware that actually there's a root system. And in that, in that context, there's a right environment where that root system is going to grow and be healthy. And I absolutely believe there are key things that we find um, in the normal Christian life that will help us develop our root system. I think getting in the presence of God is fundamental. Fundamental. Encountering God is fundamental to the environment of healthy roots in our lives. I think being planted and rooted in the Word of God is essential to developing and cultivating a healthy root system. I think that community is a huge way in which God has orientated um, his plan for humanity is, is to be in communities where iron sharpens iron, where there's an environment where we can be challenged and we can grow, but that ultimately that our lives would be planted. Like the Bible talks about the fact that, that God takes the lonely and places them where? In family. And there is a... Uh, there's a... There's a there's a context in which our lives are to be healthy, and that context is that we're to be planted in community, that we give ourselves to one another, that, that actually that courage that we talked about last night could, could flow between people's lives in such a way that that environment, that internal environment of our lives is strengthened and is healthy. Because you can bet the, the strengthened we are, the healthier we are in terms of our root system and the environment of our lives, the more easily it's going to be for us to produce fruit and fruit that will remain. 
So we have to we have to consider and pay attention to that to that environment. Like, what is the environment of our life? And that will actually lead us to this next point because actually the the um, this part of actually growing healthy fruit that is is about pruning. So we plant something, we grow something, we prune something. And ultimately dealing with some of those things that will cut short or swallow up the beauty of the normal Christian life. We have to begin to deal with some of those things. It's almost like the exact opposite. If you're thinking about, I want a healthy root system in an environment, like maybe there's some pruning or some changing of the environment that you're in. Like some of the things or, or friendships, you know, are there, are there relationships or friendships or places or things that you give your time and your energy and your life to, things that you watch, things that your life is immersed in, music, movies, like what is it, what, what is it that you find in the environment of those things that are either adding strength to your normal Christian life or actually are swallowing up and stealing from you? Paying attention to that environment is actually part of the pruning process. For some of you, it's like, actually, I'm dying in this environment. I've got friends that are like pulling me away from Jesus. They're pulling me away from the things that he loves. I've got to almost like uproot myself. Part of the pruning process would be, I'm going to get out of this soil. I'm going to go plant myself in the community of the church. I'm going to get around those guys because I know they will be part of strengthening and making healthy the soil of my life. Right, yeah. but there are other things that I think that we have to prune. You know, for many of us, that you know, it might be fear, it might be anxiety, it might be some element of unbelief. But there are there are there's a pruning process that we need to be okay with, and then we need to understand that Father God, there's a, in fact, uh, I think it's earlier on in the section, but somewhere in the Bible, it talks about God being a vine dresser. It's, um, it is. It's, um, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And then it talks about the vine dresser being, and it's really interesting concept when you look at, uh, you know, our lives being like a vine and producing fruit again. And, and the key to having healthy fruit is being connected to the vine, and the vine is Jesus. But there's an image that the Bible gives us about the Father, and he calls him a vine dresser. And what's really fascinating about um, that, that role of it, I, I, again, not a plant guy, but I've done some research on vineyards. And a vine dresser, fascinatingly, is not somebody who, like he is such a specific um, what, uh, type of farmer. You know, when you have a vineyard, it, it is not, it, like, it's not like regular farming where you just chuck seed in the soil. A vine dresser literally knows the individual nature of the various vines that he grows. And the kind of care and attention that he would give to one vine that is on a side of a mountain, as opposed to another vine that might be in a slightly more shaded area of the vineyard. Like, he knows that vine, he knows the soil, he knows, he knows the orientation of the way in which that land is facing the sun. And so gives the, the, each individual vine specific designed care and attention. And therefore, specific, you know, the way he will prune, uh, he will prune um, in areas where um, they, uh, the vines are exposed to really harsh light. There's way more pruning that goes on with those vines. It's the same with Father God. He is so intimately connected to your life. Yeah. He is the vine dresser. Yeah. He's not a farmer who's like, yep, we'll just like dig up all that field. We'll just get rid of all of that. Like he intimately knows your life. He knows what's good for you, what will help you grow, what will keep you healthy, um, what you need in your life, some of the things that you need out of your life. He is very intimately involved with your life because he loves you. So actually, 
approaching this process of, of being pruned and being shaped by God, like it's an intimate love relationship. Yeah. Like the vine dresser, he pretty much loves those vines. He tends for them in a really unique way. It's, it's quite fascinating if you ever want to research it. Sounds boring, but anyway, I did it. Um, so prune something. You know, allow this... Allow this process of God pruning you. Don't be afraid to, again, remember that, that things in your life may need to change. And that's okay. And God can give you strength and courage to see those change, those things happen. But again, our goal is to sustain the normal Christian life. The reality is if, if we don't, if there are things, weeds that are growing up in and around our life, if we're in, in unhealthy soil, like we're not going to grow. We're not even going to produce fruit, let alone lasting fruit. And so actually being really ruthless with this sense of, all right, God, I need you and I want you to be involved in the process of my life. I want you to mold me, shape me, prune me. Because ultimately I know you have a purpose that my life would produce fruit. In every area of your life that you'd produce fruit personally, in your families, in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, wherever it is that God has you, like your assignment fundamentally is, is to produce fruit. And so being okay with Father God in a beautiful way, stepping into your world, stepping into your story and being able to say, yeah, that thing needs coming out. I need that thing changed. Because I, I want you to live the normal Christian life. I want connection with you. I want you to produce fruit. Like that's a good process that we can allow God into. So three really simple things, really practical things that we can take from this picture that Jesus gives us. But there's another thing that I want to draw our attention to. In these verses, which I, um, which I'm so thankful for, because um, you know when we think about planting a seed and growing a plant and producing fruit, it can feel very kind of third party. It can feel very like, oh well, that's something God's doing. It's it's about what He's doing, like out there. Mm. But actually, these verses are are very personal <clears throat> verses. They they're actually wrapped around very um, identity focused language because I fundamentally believe that God is waiting is not waiting for you to do something I think he's waiting for you to become someone right I think we often think that the, the, the story of the normal Christian life is just about doing more godly things and it's not about doing more godly things it's about becoming more of who God created you to be like the normal Christian life starts and ends with who the Father is and who you are in the light of who the Father is. And so ultimately in that story, it's then who you're becoming. It's not what you're doing. Like the normal Christian life is not a list of activities that you have to tick off religiously. It's about being so settled in who God says you are and living from that place and seeing the fruit of God grow in your life because you're connected to Him. You're His child, you're His son, you're His daughter. You carry the very identity of heaven. You carry the very inheritance of the kingdom. It's all relational. And that's why I love these verses. So let me read these verses again for you, but just put that lens of identity on as, you, as, you, as, as we read these things together. It says this again. You are my friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you Friends, for everything I've learned from a father, I've made known to you. You do not choose me, but 
I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So whatever you ask in the name of the Father, sorry, in my name, the Father will give to you. It's all rooted in identity. It's all, pardon the pun, rooted, like root system. It's all rooted in and around identity, who you are, how God sees you, the kind of relationship that he's calling you into and wants you to sustain with him. It's a friendship, love, relationship. I love those verses, that verse 16 where it says, I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. We really like the end of that verse um, because we kind of use it to say, well, you know what? Whatever I ask in the name of Jesus, whatever I ask in the name of Jesus, I'm going to get that. So that's amazing. So we just start praying for cars and houses and, and we love the context of thinking, oh, you know, I can just ask Jesus for whatever and the Father will give it to me. Listen, the context of those of asking and receiving is in the context of us bearing fruit. So let me help you out here. The context of that means you can ask for whatever fruit you want to produce. Yeah. Like that's the context of these verses. You can ask for whatever fruit that you want. Whatever godly fruit you want to grow in your life, you can ask for it. Yeah. And the Father will give it to you. That's how amazing He is. Is that, is that when you connect your desire for Him... And for the normal Christian life, when you connect your desire with a request for those things, God is faithful to give you those things. The key to asking and receiving is through Jesus as sons and daughters. Right? So it's all rooted through identity. We get to ask for whatever fruit we want, but we get to ask it from that position of, I'm a son asking a father. Right? I'm not pleading for him to do something on my behalf simply because he likes me. I'm, I'm asking him to give me the fruit of who I really am because I'm connected to a father who loves me. We can ask for whatever fruit in the normal Christian life we want. It's kind of like this. We, you know, we can come to Jesus, and this is effectively what these verses say. That we can come to Jesus and we can say, um, I want to walk in, in the supernatural normal Christian life. Supernatural just means Everything that we see in the life and ministry of Jesus, all the reality of the kingdom of heaven, no sickness, no pain, blind eyes opening, deaf ears hearing, like miracles, signs, wonders, yeah. all of those things that we read about in scripture, that is the normal Christian life. Yeah. Right? We might not see it in all its fullness just yet, but there is a growth journey for us and we should expect to walk in the supernatural normal Christian life. So we come to Jesus and we say, I want to walk in the fruit of the normal Christian life in the supernatural. And Jesus takes us to the Father and, and we discover two things when we meet the Father. First of all, we meet a Father and we have this revelation again that we are sons and daughters. So we're connected in this place of asking Him because we're sons and daughters. Not because we have to, but because we desire to. And the second thing that we discover is that we discover that the Father says, yes, absolutely you can have a normal Christian life in the supernatural. Absolutely you can have that. Because you know what? Because you've met a father and you've discovered that you're a son and a daughter and you've discovered that actually the normal Christian life and the supernatural, that's really just who you are anyway. 
Yeah. Like when you meet Father God, you discover that the inheritance of what a father gives to his son and his daughter. And that inheritance is the kingdom. And it is the supernatural. So there's this kind of strange journey that we can go on with God where, we, where we're like, I want to see this healthy fruit grow in my, in my life. I want to see a greater prayer life. I want to see, I want to see a greater desire and love for, for, for God's word. I want, to, I, want to discover, I want to discover what God's called me to do. I want to see my friends come to know Jesus. You know, there's so much that we want to see in the normal Christian life that's to be sustained. But we sustain it from a place of sonship. We sustain it as we come to the Father through Jesus. And we say, would you give me that normal Christian life? Would you give me that fruit? And he turns around and says, son, daughter, it's yours. It was always yours anyway. Because it's really who you are. It's in your new nature. You know, when you became a Christian, when you said, I want to follow Jesus, everything was made new. You literally weren't saved just from hell. You were brought into a relationship with the Father. That's the fullness of the gospel. It wasn't that we just like got a ticket away from hell. We actually we, we took a we took a step in eternity towards a relationship with Father God. He loves you. That's the pinnacle of the gospel message. It's not that he, you, you somehow scraped away from hell, but you were full on immersed and grafted into new relationship with the Father who loves you and wants to invite you into an eternal journey with him. It's amazing. And that's the context of this sustained, normal Christian life. I'll leave you with this thought. The reality for each one of us is that, is that we want to, I believe, as, as Christians who are pursuing a healthy, normal Christian life with Jesus, we want to see our life grow. Like I, I genuinely believe that, that we want to see our life grow. And Jesus helps us understand that that growth is not supposed to be temporal, that actually it's supposed to be sustained, that we have lasting fruit, lasting impact in every area of our life. And one of the things that I'm vastly, I'm acutely aware of is when I look at a fruit tree, when I look at an apple tree, it is not sitting there trying desperately to produce apples. It produces apples because it's an apple tree. Yeah. It's in its nature to produce apples. And it's the same for you as a, the normal Christian fruit life of your life. Listen, you don't produce the normal Christian life because you try really hard. You produce the normal Christian life because that's who you are in nature. The normal Christian life is that you're connected to a father. And that in that connection, you can ask for whatever fruit of the normal Christian life you want. And he is faithful to give it to you and faithful to grow it to you in your life. Listen, there's discipline and there's pruning and there's growing and there's planting and there's cycles of all of that stuff. There's absolutely, we're not sitting back and going, all right, whatever will happen. Because there's a process where we want our tree, the tree of our life to be healthy. So we have to plant some seeds. We have to look after the soil. We have to recognize that God may want to prune some things in our life. But ultimately, it's in your nature to produce God fruit. It's in your nature to live out the normal Christian life. Because you're connected to a father who says it's all yours anyway. It's in your nature. It's who you really are. I want to worship him just to come back up. I want you to pray for a couple of minutes and then see what the Lord does uh, just as we close out this session. Um, um, what, why don't you stand with me for just a second, if that's all right. Listen, one of the things that 
I think we get to do in this moment is we get to leave aside disappointment. I think we're often acutely aware of the things that we've maybe let go. You know, you maybe looked at your life and thought, you know, a few years ago I was really passionate about prayer. And then I had kids and I got really, really busy. Or maybe you're like, I got, I, I got some teenagers and then I really knew what it was to pray because I'm just on my knees all the time. Like, I don't know what season you're in, but maybe you look at your life and you're like, well, there was stuff in my life that I, I knew God planted a seed in my life, but that's not there anymore. So, like, maybe I didn't look after the root system. Maybe I didn't prune some stuff. I think there's a real grace in this moment for you to ask God again. Like, just as these verses said, that we can come with Jesus to a Father, and we can ask whatever fruit that we want. And I believe that this weekend there can be a seed planted in your life that you can take responsibility to nurture and grow and in this journey from here, that you would see that, that next year you would that, that you would be speaking about the fruit that God grew in your life because of what you asked for right now, right? So I think you can come boldly. It might be as simple as, like, God, I, I've never really got into your word. I've never got into the Bible. Like, I really want the seed of your word to be planted in my life, and I want it to grow, and I want it to last. That might be what you want to ask God for today. It might be patience. It might, you might think about the fruit of the Spirit and think, yeah, there's some things that, you know, patience and gentleness and kindness and self-control. There, there might be some things in there you're like, you know what, I, I need more of that in my life. And I want to, I want God, I want to come to you and I want you to plant the seed of that in my life today. Let's look at what God does as you partner with Holy Spirit and let those things be nurtured and grown. But I want you, we're just going to have two minutes now just for you to close your eyes and, um, and just ask God, come to him as a son, as a daughter. Just say, God, I, I, I want to grow in whatever it is. It might be getting into his word. It might be to grow in the prophetic, hearing God's voice more clearly. Maybe it's some area in your life where you know there's some godly living that you want to live by. And you're looking at your life and going, yeah, you know, the way I deal with my finances, the way that I treat my kids, the way that I get angry, like want that fruit anymore. I want something different. So just ask God, whatever seed you want planted in your life, whatever it is that you want to grow, just ask God. He loves you. He's right here with you and wants to come alongside you in such a beautiful way to see those things grow. So just take a moment. Close your eyes. Father, I thank you that you would meet each one of us individually. But first and foremost, that that meeting we would find a, a gracious loving Father, a Father that loves us extravagantly. But in this interaction with you, Father God, that you're here with us, we want to respond to your word. So that very first verse said that if we're Jesus' friends, then we'll obey what he commands. Listen, there's a, a response of obedience that we get to walk in part of this relationship with him. But Father, as we as we come to you, we want our lives to be obedient, to line up with who you are and who we really are. God, would you plant something in our lives today? Just give me a moment, talk to God, and speak to Holy Spirit. What is it that you need or you want to grow in your life? You might be all acutely aware of what's not growing in your life right now, but just ask God for that one thing.
about where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you. Like his love for you sees past and beyond any of those things. He's just delighted to be with you. Listen, this morning as well, just even as you're potentially praying for yourself, but I'm really acutely aware that there may be even people here today that are like, you know what, I want that, that, that thing that I want to grow in my life. I just want it to be a relationship with you, Jesus. Like I've been around the church, I've been around other Christians who know you and love you, but I just don't know you for myself. Listen, friends, I want to invite you this morning to do something that will, that will grow some incredible things in your life, and that is get to know Jesus. So maybe for the very first time, and I want to give you, I, do, I actually don't want to let you off the hook. I feel like actually this morning is your time, like now is your time. You don't need to leave here the same way you came in, but Jesus loves you. He made a way for you to have a relationship with Father God. And this morning he just says, I, I want you to come home. I want you to know me. I love you. No matter what you've done, where you've been, or even what's been done to you, that Father God says to you this morning that he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. So even just as we're here now, if that's you, um, maybe you want to respond in your own heart. Maybe you want to let somebody know after this meeting, you know what, I wanted to plant the, that, that new seed of, of a brand new start with Jesus. Brand new start with him. Make sure you tell somebody if that's what you want to do today. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that continues to call us home. 